0: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, August 4th. I'm Wayne Pratt. A Washington University professor recently studied new maps of public memorials and historic sites in St. Louis, many of which tell a narrow version of local history. That could make it more difficult to be honest about the origins of social problems that are still with us.
1: We really require a shared truth that acknowledges the reality of our past and our present. And on the foundation of that, we can build a culture of trust and cooperation.
0: In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports on an effort to chart the city's history through freshly drawn maps. Missourians are heading to the polls today to vote in the state's primary election. Voters will decide whether to approve Amendment 2, which, if passed, would expand Medicaid to roughly 250,000 people. They will also select party nominees for statewide offices, legislative seats, and congressional districts. In St. Louis County, voters will decide whether Executive Sam Page should get the Democratic nomination. He is squaring off against Jake Zimmerman, Mark Mantovani, and Jamie Tolliver. And in St. Louis, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner is facing Mary Pat Carl in the Democratic primary. Polls are open throughout the state until 7 tonight. Illinois' governor has announced an ad campaign to raise awareness about wearing masks to prevent spreading COVID-19. Sean Crawford reports. Governor J.B. Pritzker says the $5 million effort will use the slogan, it only works if you wear it.
2: The best way to safely get to the other side of this emergency is for all of us to follow the mitigations recommended by doctors. Wash your hands, watch your distance, wear a mask whenever you're
1: out and about.
0: The ad campaign comes as Illinois is seeing a spike in coronavirus spread. 11 counties are now at a warning level. Fritzker says while many are taking masks with them, they are sometimes forgetting to put them on and in some cases failing to properly cover their nose and mouth. The messages will be targeted in cities and counties that he says have the most work to do when it comes to slowing the spread. Federal dollars will pay for the outreach. I'm Sean Crawford. The pandemic has stalled the St. Louis Cardinals' already shortened season until at least Friday. Major League Baseball is postponing the series between the Cardinals and the Detroit Tigers. It was supposed to start today. This move comes after more Cardinals players and staff members tested positive for COVID-19. The virus outbreak among the team had already postponed the weekend series against Milwaukee. The league is hoping the Cards can resume their regular schedule on Friday against the Chicago Cubs in St. Louis. Thirteen members of the organization, seven players, and six staff members have tested positive. Also, Major League Baseball says it is postponing the Field of Dreams game between St. Louis and the Chicago White Sox until next year. The teams were slated to play on a Diamond in an Iowa cornfield on August 13th, The AP reports officials decided to postpone the game because of coronavirus concerns. It also reports the Cardinals might not be in that game against the White Sox next year. The number of warm, humid days ideal for mosquitoes is rising in Missouri. Environmental scientists say that could lead to increasing infection rates for West Nile virus and other mosquito-borne diseases. St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen reports. Climate Central, a nonprofit that does research on climate change, found that mosquito seasons have gotten longer in parts of Missouri since the 1980s. In St. Louis, it's grown by five days. In Jefferson City, by 17 days. Katie Westby studies mosquitoes at Washington University. She says St. Louis health officials need to do a better job of tracking West Nile virus and other diseases.
2: Without that information, and that information coming in really quickly, you know, we can't just you know, start trying to eliminate mosquito populations and warning the public that it's circulating.
0: A 2017 national survey of local governments showed that Missouri lacks competent mosquito control and surveillance programs. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. 750 St. Louisans were asked to draw maps of the city in hopes of learning which sites and historic events loom largest in residents' minds. When Washington University professor Jeff Ward studied those maps, he found a wide range of attitudes about the Gateway Arch, and his findings were published online last month. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Ward whether the maps suggest new ways of interpreting St. Louis's signature monument.
1: What I ended up writing about was a subset of these maps that actually repositioned the arch, that changed it by having it span the Mississippi River rather than stand in St. Louis. So one foot is in Illinois, one foot is in Missouri, and oh. several maps. You know, almost like a giant staple, holding the two sides of the country together, straining under the, you know, straining to hold the country together. And Something I found really interesting in your piece was
2: The observation that in orienting the the arch east-west rather than north-south, it centers the river itself. And in so doing, perhaps puts a focus on the uses to which that river has been used in the past.
1: So, yeah, I wrote, ended up writing about this idea that the arch, when viewed from that vantage, invites our reflection on the meaning of the river for our region and for our nation and ultimately for the world, and so I write about the river, the Mississippi River, as America's middle passage, because it was quite literally central to the domestic slave trade, uh, particularly once the transatlantic trade was ended, uh, and is, of course, also central to westward expansion and um, you know the project of, of, of empire, the displacement of native people and the, the uh, cultural and and, uh, and otherwise genocidal treatment of the indigenous inhabitants of these lands.
2: The surface level meaning of the arch, as it was proposed and, and constructed, is of a an unambiguous celebration of the so-called settling of the West. Right. That's the sort of right. the, the surface level meaning of it. But right. but then there's there's an initial historical critique of that. Which would be what you describe as uh, sort of a, a whitewashing of, of a violent process, right?
1: Yeah, right, exactly. And and it's been subject to that critique. I think the the re, the redone museum and interpretive center at this at the monument has changed the narrative some, you know, to acknowledge this critique and to acknowledge the the violence, um, the injustice, the you know, the crimes against humanity that are bound up with the um, the project of westward expansion. Remember, scholars who study public memory desc- have described this as a kind of prosthetic memory, a, a memory that is added on to a story, a narrative about our past that is meant to make it more complete or inclusive or legitimate. That's a healthy process, and right? I think so. Yeah.
2: When you talk about the practice of anti-racist memory work. I think that's such a, a fascinating phrase because it it suggests to me the the idea to which are the ways we understand and remember and interrogate the past, the, the way all of that affects the present that we're living in.
1: Yes, that's exactly the idea. Um, the basic premise is, is that we really require a shared truth that can replace the myths we tell about ourselves and our country our history with a truth that acknowledges the reality of our past and our present and on the foundation of that shared truth you know we can build a culture of trust and cooperation needed to really do the reparative work demanded by these these what i mentioned before as these legacies of racial violence
0: That's Washington University Professor Jeff Ward talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodman. Our David Casares edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before we wrap up, remember this from earlier this year. Cacah,
2: cacah, cacah,
1: cacah, cacah. Because the call is law.
0: The rally cry for the St. Louis Battle Hawks of the now defunct XFL. Well, the football team might be coming back, if you can believe it. A group led by actor and former professional wrestler Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock, has purchased the XFL for $15 million. This agreement still needs to be approved by a bankruptcy court. A hearing is set for Friday. The news release announcing the deal does not mention if the Battle Hawks will return, but it doesn't rule out the possibility either. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them
1: more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.